Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the Watt. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. What's part hanging out with Damar when you guys went and hung out? Oh, man, you know, I had fun. Um... Took time away from, you know, from everywhere and, and had some alone time to us as guys just hanging out. And it, it, it was cool, man. It was cool. Come about, like, the connection with, with DeMar to go do that thing? Like, how- I mean, you know, him and Tyler grew up together. So, I mean, right. you know, they're, they're pretty good friends. And, you know, we've been trying to set something up, you know, for a while. And we, we finally was able to do it. And it was a good time. One of the great developments from the near tragedy wow. from early January really in Cincinnati. Cool. T. Higgins, blamed by some in the media. I was going to throw in a couple of Blamed by words. idiots in the media, I'm you mean? To be idiots? I'll just say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, that, that it's his fault that DeMar Hamlin How had to dare you try to break a tackle? He, yeah. he, he, yeah, he, yes, yes, you're supposed to just go down. Yeah. It's two-hand touch. It's right. no longer tackle football. You're not supposed to resist the effort of the defensive player to tackle you because there's a one in a trillion chance that you're going to strike him in the chest just the right way to cause commodio cortis and put him in cardiac arrest. How dare you? How dare you do your job because of that one in a trillion shot that came to pass? I think it's great that right. they forged a relationship. T. Higgins had to have struggled. Think about and even though everything worked out, think about what he carried around with him in the days when the outcome was uncertain. Of course. Think about that stress. Life is hard enough in the year 2023 without having to wonder for multiple days whether you were the one who did the thing that led to someone dying. Right. Even if it was the weirdest possible confluence of circumstances that could happen, you walk around for multiple days thinking either this guy's not going to live or he's never going to be the same, and it was all because of me. Even if it isn't my fault, it was still because of me. I was the one who supplied the blow to the chest that caused this to happen. That is a tough burden, and thankfully, DeMar Hamlin's fine for a variety of reasons, but one of which is for the overall mental health and well-being of T. Higgins, and then he's able to strike up a relationship with him 
and fully understand this is just the way the game is. And yeah, everybody assumes right. that risk, small as it may be, everybody right. assumes it. So that, I, I think it's right. just a great story that those two have formed a relationship. Yeah, it is. It's awesome. It is. It's, it's, it's cool. Tyler Boyd, who also went to Pitt, like DeMar Hamlin, he bridged the gap there for them to do that. I mean, what a great picture. You know what I want to say to you, Mike. You know what I want to say, don't you? F-I-F. What does that stand for? Football is family, baby. Woo! Look at this. Honor and the privilege. Football and the fa- football is family. Hanging out, but no. In all seriousness, it is an amazing story, and I think it, hopefully people see the humanity in players. Yeah, they like to go out there and play hard and win games and hit hard and do all those type of things. But uh, there's the, these are some of the most caring, cool people on the planet too. These football players, and I think sometimes people lose sight of that because of that gladiator aspect. T. Higgins' name has popped up from time to time in this offseason cycle. There was a suggestion maybe the Bengals would trade him. There's only so much cap money to go around. Are they going to be able to keep Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and T. Higgins? It kind of bubbled up, and then it went away. This would have been the time to trade him if you wanted significant draft assets in return because he's entering the final year of his contract. And even though he's in a position where he could voice his displeasure about the absence of a contract by not showing up for off-season workouts. He's choosing to be there. Here's T. Higgins from yesterday regarding his decision to be present for the voluntary off-season program. I mean, I love the game, man. You know, I wanted to come in and work. I mean, and I live here in Cincinnati. Why not be here and work out, you know what I'm saying, for free? So, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm just here to get my work in. For, for you, is there a message in that, too? Of like, hey, I mean, I'm here. Not necessarily. I mean, I mean, people can put it that way. At the end of the day, I'm here for me, and you know, I want to get my my body in the best shape to to play at the, the highest level come game time. So, there, I mean, people have some people in their camp say, "Don't do that." Was there anybody that recommended you? Hey, don't don't go, or you were just like, "No, nah. nobody knows I'm coming." Like, no, nah, my agent was even like, "Man, do what you want to do." At the end of the day, you know, it's it's whatever you want to do. I'm not gonna tell you what to do. So, and that was my decision to come back and, and you know come work out. Yeah, that's his call. That's his decision. He wants to be there. He wants to be around. I think he understands that if they're not going to work out a deal now, it's still in his best interest to go out and have a big season. He's taking on a risk, but if they don't give you the contract that allows you to move the injury risk to the team, what's your other choice? Not play? You've got no other option. You've got no other avenue. You've got no other pathway. You've got to go do it. And, yeah, it's good for the team that they have somebody who's willing to give up his leverage. Not necessarily good for the kid, but he wants to, he just wants to play. He wants to be there. Sometimes no amount of business analysis is going right. to change the fact that this is just what he wants. Yeah. All the other stuff doesn't matter. This is what he wants, and he's getting what he wants. No, yeah, Mike, I mean, it goes back into the conversation. I mean, you bring it up a lot. We hit it on yesterday, I think, a little bit real quickly. Just that this is where – Guys love for the game, love to want to be great, you know, can maybe hurt them a little bit in the business side because you don't draw that line in the concrete, right? To go, wait, no, no, I'm not going here until I get paid. But he's a guy that loves the sport. And I think he, you know, this is the way I would be. I, you know, I think there's a lot of guys like this in the NFL. And I'd, I'd be going, wait, I'm, gonna, I'm going crazy at home. I need to be around my guys. I need to work, whatever else. You know, I can make my point and still, you know, want to be paid. And, you know, in a lot of ways in that organization and in that locker room, it's going to put more pressure on the Bengals 
because a lot of the coaches are going to look at this guy. He's just he's selfless. He's our kind of guy. He's a Bengal guy. They're going to be saying that to the people in the front office. The locker room's going to be talking to coaches and people in the front office going, what's taking so long? I mean, he's you drafted him. You like him. He's your guy. What's, he's awesome. He does everything the right way. Are we not going to reward him? Come on. We got, like, so they're, he's going to put pressure on the Bengals in his own way, I think, by just being there. Now, the big question with that, Mike, is just, you know, yeah, what does he get paid? What's the number? You mentioned it. Burrow, Jamar Chase is going to get paid like one of the top receivers in, in football. We know that. T. Higgins, where does he fit? And where is that price? And that's probably the thing that the Bengals are, are trying to figure out with his representation. Life's a lot easier when you stink every year, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, isn't right. It? This, is one the, this is one of the byproducts of the Bengals being so bad. They were in position to get Burrow first overall, Chase fifth overall. They had Higgins already. They got Higgins in the Burrow draft Burrow at 33, what pick 33. My goodness. Yeah, yeah. My goodness. Right. Think about that. I know. What a draft that is. Right. It's not quite 74 Steelers yet, but my goodness, to have those guys, especially if they can keep them together. But that's part of the challenge now. How do you cut up that salary cap pie and have enough money left over to put a team around him? And I know that's very good for the overall competitive interest of the game, but it does tend to, it does tend to keep – the players from earning what maybe they deserve. Yeah. Unless they want to do a Devontae Adams thing where they go to a team that isn't very good that's willing to pay $30 million a year. So I don't know where Higgins fits. Well, yeah, what do you think, Mike? We didn't Spitballing, see... like, you know, what well, do you, you think he's a top 20 receiver, right? I mean, where is he, you think, like, roughly? It, it's, it's a tough one. I think he's top 20. I yeah. think it's hard to properly assess him because Jamar Chase is on his team. Sure. But he's got number one. He's a guy... He's not Alvin Harper. Remember Alvin Harper exactly. back in the 90s? Awesome number two. He was the number two to Michael right. Irvin. Right. And, and when he went somewhere else, went to Tennessee, right? When he left and he went to another team. Never I never mean, heard he, of he him again. Tennessee really. College, I think. Yeah. But they just, that was it. It was right. gone. And there have been others like that, too. There was, uh, oh God, and see, I can't even remember who it is because he went somewhere else. Peerless Price. Peerless Price was a great number two receiver. Went somewhere else. Nope. Never worked. Yeah. Not the number one guy. In reverse, I've said this recently, when Antonio Brown left the Steelers, hey, Juju Smith-Schuster, team MVP, right. great number two, make him number one. Nope. Doesn't have the skills to be the number one. Higgins has the skills to be a number one. Agreed. He can be the guy yeah. that stretches the field and attracts double coverage. So he could leave and go somewhere else and be number one. The problem, though, is, Chris, after last year, when they had the Devontae Adams, Tyree Kill spending spree. I don't know how it's going to shake out now. We saw other guys get contracts in the wake of Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill. Yeah. We saw A.J. Brown get his deal, $25 million or so per year in new money from the Eagles. We saw D.K. Metcalf get his. I, I, you know, we, got, we got kind of a running back thing going on with I the know. receiver market. There's yeah. a lot of good receivers. Where do the best ones fit when we're talking about $30 million now being the high watermark? Until Justin Jefferson gets his deal that pushes him. I, I believe whenever they pay Justin Jefferson, he's going to be the highest paid receiver in football. But it's got to be that unicorn-type player to stretch the rubber band. Right. T. Higgins doesn't do that. He's, yep, that's you know, right. Jamar Chase could yeah. if he plays it out. Right. So where does Higgins fall below the top of the top? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And if the Bengals and T. Higgins' agents knew, he'd have a deal. No, no, exactly. I, I mean, you're right. He's not unicorn status, right? I don't think he's Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, right? Those are guys that can, like, do anything on the field. 
But damn, he's he's he like you said, he's still a number one in the NFL. And you know, and and really like up there. It's not like, oh, if there was, you know, thirty two number ones, you'd go, Oh, he's probably thirty one or thirty two. No, it, it's it's above that. It is. He's special. You know, like you like you said, he can command double team coverage. You know, he's one of those guys that if he's covered, he's still not covered, like we saw in the Super Bowl two years ago or the AFC Championship game last year. Oh, you're covered, so what? I'm under pressure. Let me just throw it up. Boom, he jumps up, mosses somebody, gets the ball. He's great that way. I mean, you can look at the Miami game on Thursday night early in the year. They throw him a short pass. He makes somebody miss. He runs up the sidelines for a long touchdown. He's got it all, like you said. He really does. Now, the, the, the sweet spot is I sit here and look at receiver salaries, right, where you go, okay, like DJ Moore is the number 10 receiver in football right now as far as average salary. He's making $20 million a year, right? There's Keenan Allen at $20 million, Chris Godman at $20 million, Mike Williams at $20 million. T. Higgins is better than that group right there. Keenan Allen's a little different, but I would take Keenan Mike T. Higgins over Mike Williams or Chris Godwin. Right, not DJ Moore. I'm not going to say I'm going to take him over that. But what I'm trying to say is, you know, Amari Cooper's making 20 million. Brandon Cooks is making 19.8. He's better than Brandon Cooks in my opinion. Right. So that's where you start to go. Holy crap! Yeah, what kind of paycheck are they going to have to pay him? Debo's at 23.85. Would you put him in that category? Probably not. I think that's where I'd draw the line, right? Right, him and Terry McCorn at twenty three, and Terry at twenty two seven. Right, the difference. I, I think so. Let's just do. Yeah, let's do yeah. twenty three five. How about twenty three five? Do I hear twenty three six? I would say. Five? I would. Well, yeah. For this right now, take it. Sold. 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 I'm, I, I. I would if I'm. T- how about. How about. How about a swing batter. Twenty three five. You know what, though? We're looking at this list that, that Pete has put in the document that we share to help guide us through the the potential pitfalls of a two-hour live show. Yeah, 15 players making $20 million or more. I think back to earlier this year when I said I was hearing from multiple sources that Odell Beckham Jr. wanted $20 million and people lost their shit about that. Yeah. How could he not want $20 million when you look at this list? Yeah, How does he not think he's among these top 15 players right. who are making $20 million or more per year? So. Twenty million's a given. The question is how where where is it between twenty and thirty? You got a lot of guys between twenty and thirty, and you only have like two or three clustered near the top with and really Hill and Adams are the two. The Devontae uh DeAndre Hopkins, excuse me. DeAndre Hopkins deal is is a little Not fugazy real. at this yeah. point. Right. I put that one aside. Cooper Cup, that's an aberration. They they drank all of Matthew Stafford's forty two that day at the Super Bowl parade and they gave Stafford and Cup and Donald all this ridiculous money and now they're they're paying for it on the back end, literally. But where do you fall between thirty, twenty eight, and twenty? Yeah. And I think we've kind of pegged it. I think we've done you know, Bengals we don't we don't even want any money just send us like a fruit basket 235 <laughs> is the new money average for T Higgins that sounds right we've solved your problems now you can go try to pay Joe Burrow No and then that's, see that's where that goes and I was going to go so let's get to the next piece of this puzzle right because I mean we know they got Jamar Chase coming up next year but Burrow's contract and the number and what he's willing to maybe not take or leave for everybody else, it's going to go a long way to make sure that he can keep you know the three amigos together here. And then when I say that, I mean him, you know, Burrow, I mean him, Chase, and, and Higgins. 
Let's hear from the newest member of the Cobra Kai Dojo from yesterday <laughs> talking about his contract negotiations and what he is looking to achieve. You know, I'm involved. That's, you know, it's in the works. That's uh, not really something that I like to play out in, in, in the media. That's something just the way I think they want to do business. I want to do business. We prefer to keep that between us. You know, whenever you have guys on the team that, I need to be paid. That's always on your mind. You want that to, to be a focal point, and so we're, we're working to, to make that happen. You know, I'm pretty clear on, on what I want in, in, in the contract and, and what you know, I think is best for, for myself and the team. And so, you know, we're, we're on the road to making that happen. you got to have good players. You know, you can't. You see, I mean, it doesn't matter how good, good your quarterback is. If you don't have good players around him, you're not going to be a very good team. Two words, cap percentage. <laughs> See, I'm always looking for the first guy to do it, so that's my bias when I process the information. But when he says, I know what I want, and we're working toward it, I know what I want, what he should want is cap percentage because that is the ultimate fair way to leave money behind and protect yourself against the ever-increasing salary cap. I was talking to someone about this recently who isn't an ardent, zealous, obsessive, everyday fan of the NFL. And those are the folks who are the most susceptible to, I can't believe Lamar Jackson is making $52 million a year. I, know. I can't believe Jalen Hurts is making $51 million a year. What are they doing to deserve that? Well, they happen to be performing the most important job yeah. for a sport that has more than enough money to pay it. And we only ever talk about what the players are getting. We're not talking about how much money is getting crammed in the oh, coffers of the so owners. Annoying. They're the ones buying the super yachts, not the players. Right. So, so I, I, and so forget about the dollars. I think this is an easier way to do the conversation. It's not about dollars. It's about percentage. Whatever your cap is, whatever it is, 15%. You got 85% left. 85 cents on every dollar to put the team around me. That's fair. Whatever that number is, 15 15.6275, 16.1381. You know, they'll, they'll make it some long, convoluted number to make it look like they really hammered it out, and it was really the product of a tough negotiation. But that's the fair way to do it. You carry that forward. The sport keeps growing. The money keeps going up. The cap keeps increasing, and you keep making more money. And you, you're not in a situation where you've got every three years, like the Chiefs are going to have with Patrick Mahomes, where they got to go back to the table and figure this out because it's become embarrassing to everyone that Mahomes is at 45 and the market has passed him by by $7 million a year. Burrow needs to bake into his contract a protection against that. Sign a 10-year extension and put that in there so you don't have to keep coming back saying, hey, we got a problem here, we got a problem here. I'm not being fairly compensated in relation to what the sport is generating. Yeah. And one more point, Chris. Yeah. Because this dawned on MDS last week when we were participating in the conference call where they talked about the schedule. When Mike North, the NFL's VP of broadcast planning, was talking about how much the scheduling hinges on where the great quarterbacks go. You know, there's a value to the quarterbacks above and beyond their teams. Yes. There's a value to the sport. The whole league, right. To the league. Right. There's a common value. Where's Aaron Rodgers going to be? We got to get those games in prime time. Where's Tom Brady going to be? Oh, he retired. Well, sorry, Tampa Bay. Oh, he unretired. Well, welcome back, Tampa Bay. <laughs> the great quarterbacks are the ones that drive this bus. Yes. They should get more. Whatever they're getting, they should get more. 
I suggested over the weekend there should be a separate fund that compensates the guys who help drive where the games are going to be played, when the games are going to be played, that they have a value to the sport separate and apart from their value to yeah, the team. Right, right. You could like you could give like two or three guys on every team like they get this special like franchise exemption where maybe like their salary only counts 70% against the cap, right? Something like that, what you're saying, I, I think, is uh, for the big superstars that are driving driving TV ratings in the market and all that. I hear you. I hear you on all of it, Mike. I, I do. I mean, the borough, the percentage of the con, uh, the overall salary cap, I mean, it makes a lot of sense to me. It does. You know, now, the, the thing I thought I want to ask you, Mike, and I wonder if this is happening a little bit, and this goes back into, you know, the Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson conversation. Do you think there's kind of a handshake, wink, wink agreement with owners that just don't want to go down this road for some reason that maybe I'm not thinking of or you're not thinking of right now, and they want to put a kibosh on it? I think they just don't want to do it for the same reason they don't want to do fully guaranteed contracts. They don't want anything that gives the payers, the players more power and flexibility. They just don't want it. They don't want cap percentages. They, they, they don't want a system where every year player pay is adjusted because the cap keeps going up. They don't want that. They want to lock guys in to long-term deals at set numbers, knowing that the cap is going to keep going up, knowing that those deals get better for the team the longer it lasts. Right. Remember there was a dynamic years ago where the Eagles would identify great young talent. I remember they did it to, was it Sean Andrews? Remember the offensive lineman, Sean Andrews? Winston Justice was one of their offensive right. linemen. Right. Was he the, there was a defensive tackle, Mike. Mike, can't remember his last name. Defensive tackle for the Eagles. They would sign these guys to ridiculous long-term deals, dangle the money, because it used to be you could do it two years after a guy was drafted, not three, dangle more money than they ever thought they would make playing football, sign them up for like 10 years, and then as time goes by, this deal stinks. Yeah. And their attitude was, too bad, you signed it. That was the Joe Banner attitude in Philly. Too bad, you signed it. And what happens? You got to mess with all these players right. who, yeah, I signed it, but what the hell? Why'd you offer that to me? You knew that in three or four years, I wasn't going to be happy with the deal. So you want me to be pissed off in the locker room for the next five years? I mean, it was a not an ideal way, let's say, of constructing a team. But I think the league likes that dynamic where guys are locked into a set amount and the cap keeps going up and up and yeah, up. Yeah, I would agree. So those dollars keep going relative to everything else down and right. down and down. Right. And then if the player's you know unhappy and they still want the player – then they just throw a big chunk of cash out of them, at them and a signing bonus or something else, and that still really probably benefits the t it does it benefits the team in the long run. Um, I don't know, you know, well, it's going to be I'm going to be Mike I'm, Patterson by the way, Mike, Mike Patterson. Patterson. I'm going to be super excited to see Burrow's contract. I am. I mean, one because of the reasons we're talking about. Two, I still expect it to break records here. I, I would think this is going to surpass everybody. I would think it's going to surpass Lamar Jackson, right? And that, that's where I'm excited just to see the overall number and the structure of the contract, but also, yeah, how much money does he leave for the two other stars at, at the receiver position? Well, that is the key, and you need to have the other guys on board with it. And, you know, here's the problem, and this may be why teams don't want to do cap percentage. The moment that river is crossed – 
you're going to pull other guys across it with you. Definitely. What if Jamar Chase says, I like that too. I'll take 8.375%. T. Higgins says, I like that too. I'll take 7.62%. But it really is fair because as the game grows, the salaries grow. It ain't going this way. It's going this way, up and up. Why not let the key players benefit from that? And you'd have to build protections in, and there would be ways to manage the cap charge. But the bottom line is your pay each year is determined by your set percentage of the cap as your minimum. You you can have a set number or a cap percentage, whichever is greater. So you get that protection if it goes up. You still have your your baseline number in your contract, but if the cap percentage is higher than that, that's the number you get. It wouldn't be that hard to do if a team really wanted to do it. And I think the Bengals are a candidate to do it because Mike Brown has that contrarian streak. If all the owners want to go this way, he just likes to go the other way just to keep him honest. I think I like Mike Brown. He goes the other way, not necessarily for any reason. I've heard owners complain about it. He votes against everything. He's like Mikey from the Life Serial commercial. That is a dated reference. Mikey won't eat it. He hates everything. Mike Brown's always voting against everything. So maybe he'll maybe he'll give him a little a little twist. A little Mike, M- Mikey likes Joe Burrow. I know. We know that. <laughs> well, and they want to do whatever they have to do. Right. I mean, think about this. Mike Brown was never going to sell the naming rights to the stadium that bears the name of his father, Paul. It was always going to be Paul Brown Stadium. He and Jerry Jones, 12, 13 years ago, got into a huge fight over that. His refusal to sell the naming rights to the stadium. You know what he did? And he recently sold the naming rights to the stadium. Why? Need the money to pay Joe Burrow. They didn't come out and say it, but it was obvious. They need the cash. They have a good team now. See, Mike Brown for a long time, I believe, this is me expressing an opinion, so please don't sue me, Mike Brown. My opinion has been he really doesn't care about winning a Super Bowl. He, He understands. I'm winning every year. I'm making a huge profit. I'm going to run this like a business. I'm going to make as much profit as I can. Hey, if one of these years it all falls into place and we win a Super Bowl, so be it. But I'm still going to make a ton of profit. With Joe Burrow, that's forced his mindset to change. And it has, to his credit. Well done, because you weren't going to keep Joe Burrow if you didn't change your mindset. I guarantee you of that. And that's the question. Can they put an offer on the table that gets Joe Burrow to commit for the next 10 years? Because they want it. I think he wants it, but the numbers have to be right. Yeah, numbers got to be right. I think they will be. I mean, he's come on, he's Joey Ohio, you know. I just I, I can't imagine. It just seems like the match made in heaven, and the Bengals have never been cooler because of Joe Burrow. And yeah, uh, you know, we'll see where it goes. But uh, I'm certainly expecting a record-breaking contract when it's all said and done. I know our. Friends out there who are Bengals fans, they may be happy with some of the things we've said today because we're trying to help solve their contractual problems in one fell swoop. This is a line from Playmakers, the book that I was selling last year and would still like you to buy, but, you know, I'm pushing the other one. I'm pushing Father of Mine a little harder <laughs> this year. But one of the lines in Playmakers, and, and it's, it's 100% accurate, sourced with knowledge of the situation, if Joe Burrow was from Athens, Georgia, and not Athens, Ohio, he would have refused to play for the Bengals. He would have been the next in the line of John Elway, Eli Manning. It would have been Joe Burrow, uh, but for the fact that he was from Ohio. So it all worked out perfectly. They've got him, but they've got to keep him because he's not signed a lifetime contract yet, and they need to dangle that carrot to get him to do it, and maybe it's going to take a cap percentage. There he play. is. Can you handle oh, that? Oh, there we go. Look Here we go. Damn. Wow. Joey, Sweep put him in a body bag. The leg. 
Now, who is who is Ralph Macchio in this equation? Is it Patrick Mahomes? I guess it is. Damn, I don't Everybody know. Everybody likes well, it. Well, I guess you're right. right. You're yeah, right. Yeah, I think I it is. So. Yeah, you're right. You're right. He's yeah. he, he's got the yeah. uh, what do they call the pose that he does? The crane or whatever at the end. The crane, uh, the crane, right? The crane. He's got the crane to, to just keep winning. He he somehow finds ways to break out the crane to win the Super Bowls. I still, you know, forty years later, Pete said we need to take a break, but just indulge me here. Forty years later, I still don't understand how the move works. I'd like to get up and demonstrate it. Where you put your hands up, you put one leg up in the air, and I guess the whole idea is to fake the one with the, the air. Well, no, but your leg is up in the air, and you're doing this, right? You're doing this, hands up, leg up, and does your opponent come over and like, what's going on here? And when your opponent <laughs> leans in, that's when you kick him with the other leg. That's the only thing. It, may, it still makes no sense that that should work unless it's some sort of a weird booby trap where your opponent believes you are having a moment, and he... He steps forward to see if you're okay. You kick him with the other foot. Hey, well, he, exactly. Yeah, I guess it's about there faking it with that there one that's up. He fakes <laughs> with that one up, but I don't get it either. Hey, you just listen to Mr. What Miyagi. Are you do? Let me keep rolling. If Miyagi whoa, does whoa, whoa, it, then whoa. Danielson does it. Okay? <laughs> I don't know. I don't but know. What are you going to do with the foot that's just dangling? That's what I don't get. I and what are you going to do with your arms? They're straight up in the air. Anyway, it worked. It made for a great movie. It did. I think I need to go watch The Karate Kid after we're done today. Let's take a break. Uh, at a time when players are scrubbing teams from their social media accounts to send a message, Whoa. one team has scrubbed a player from its social media account, which probably sends a message. More PFT Live right after we sweep the Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Mark Ingram's six-year-old daughter putting on the moves. Now, she's already broken to the open field. We need to go back to the oh, beginning. Here it goes. She is Here's going left start. and right, and defenders are running into each other. There's a moment the here that reminds me of Mike Vick against the Vikings in 2002. Watch the two defenders collide. Right when there. She changes direction and <laughs> cuts back this way. There they go. Boom. There go the two Vikings. And there goes Mark Ingram's 
daughter. Yeah. My goodness. Girls rule, better, boys drool right move. there. That's nice. I love the play. The huddle better upset hut. Dad. You like that? How they huddled up and then just, just went from there. I like that. Nice moves. Man. Yeah, dad's dad's fast. change direction and then Grand straight line fast. speed. Yeah, not even a chance. I mean, she could high step all the way in. That looked like that, was, uh, that, that was pretty good. And ran. She didn't just run to the end zone. She ran through the end zone. She kept it going until she got to the big white stripe at the end. She, that is she runs through the goal line and dedicated. Runs through the goal line, gives the ball to the referee like a real professional. She reminded me, like you said, Michael Vick. I couldn't help but think of her, her grandfather, you know, who, who played receiver with my dad in the New York Giants and really had probably one of the greatest, most underrated plays in the history of the Super Bowl, Mike. I know you remember Super Bowl 25, but the Giants had a what? I want to say a third and 12, right? He caught the ball about six or seven yards and then made about six, seven people miss and had somebody holding on his leg as he hopped to get the first down on that drive that took like nine hours, right, where the Giants just pounded the Bills' defense into submission. Uh, That was one of the greatest plays in the history of the Super Bowl that probably doesn't get the credit it deserves. That, you know what? I agree with you. Yeah. Just that, that whole we've talked about it before, the game plan, it was Everything. perfect. That The amazing. one way to neutralize the K-Gun offense, keep the ball, keep the ball, keep the ball, and, and dare them to run and take away the pass, and it worked to perfection. All right, the Vikings may be doing a lot more passing than running this year because we seem to be inching closer to Dalvin Cook not being part of the team. We talked about it earlier in the week, I believe. I think it was Monday when I was up there. We played yeah. the clip from Kevin O'Connell last week where he, as you noted, at times seemed to be speaking of Dalvin Cook in the past tense, and it feels like it's over. At some point in the not-too-distant past, the Vikings went to their Twitter header, and they took out one player and put in another. Gone is Dalvin Cook. In is number two, Alexander Madison, who signed a very reasonable, like, two-year, $7 million contract. Now, I asked somebody who would know about this yesterday— about the situation, and they estimated it happened two weeks ago. Somebody else said it was done in line with the schedule release. It didn't just happen yesterday. It's been there. It's like just nobody really noticed it until yesterday. But it's there. And how is that an accident? How is that not a statement? How is that not a thing? This is the Vikings' official Twitter page that the world is watching, the world can see. Cook is gone, four is gone, and two is there in Alexander Madison. That tells you everything you need to know about which way the wind is blowing in Minnesota, Chris. Uh, pretty much. I mean, it, it's almost to the point of like, what's 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 taking so long? What's going on? Why hasn't it even like why hasn't it been done already, Mike? I mean, it, it, I'm with you and the fact that I mean, you go to that point right there, you're it's over. I mean, it seems like this 2023, this day and age. So that that's where like I, I ask you, the Viking fan, what do you think they're waiting for here to to make a decision or do something? You know, is it still the trade? I mean, to release him right now at this point, man, I mean, uh, there's a part of me that, of course, it's late in the game, and I want to say that's screwed up that they're doing that right now if they do that too. So I just don't know where this is going or what's taking so long. I think they have it in their heads that they're going to get value for him, and they're just not. This this is the – Well, wiping them off your Twitter page doesn't help your leverage. Aaron Rodgers. Right, right. yeah. yeah. Not that the Vikings or the Packers, excuse me, would have released Aaron Rodgers because his salary and his his option bonus were guaranteed. But this is kind of like, you know, the other teams involved, whoever it may be that the Vikings are talking to, they're doing what the Jets should have done. We're in no hurry. 
We're in no hurry. Why, yeah. why would we give you? You're going to cut him. Right. Why are we giving you anything? Right. You're going to cut him. Right. You're eventually going to cut him. Why would we give you anything to get him? They managed to offload Zadarius Smith to the Browns last week. I believe they think they're going to get something. Some little, you know, grains of sand, you know, in the in the scales of NFL justice. Oh, you give us a seven this year and we'll give you a seven next year. That balances out. Whatever it is, just something so they can save some face. I think that's what they're trying to do here. Trade him in a way that they can conclusively eliminate the $2 million guarantee that he has for this year, full guarantee, but that that likely will be offset by his salary from whoever he plays for and get a little something in return. Now, the problem with a trade, you got to take that $10.4 million salary and you got to rework it. That's it. Dalvin Cook's got no reason to do it. Just cut me. I'm not reworking anything as part of a trade. Just cut me. Why should my new team have to give up anything? I made that argument on behalf of players in the past. What? Just cut me. You're going to cut me. Just cut me. And I think the Vikings understand at some point they just have to cut him. And maybe they're waiting for the most inconspicuous time to cut him so they don't get killed when they just give up this guy who's going to go somewhere else and possibly be great this year. You had this running back who's going to go somewhere else and be great and be a difference maker and maybe win a Super Bowl somewhere, and you gave him away. What morons are you for doing that? I think that's what they'd like to avoid. Well, uh, yeah. that's. But, I mean, that's where I want to go, like, you know – if that's what they're saying, I'm going to go li- listen to what you're saying. I, I don't know. That's where I'm I, I'm still a little surprised with the situation overall. The Vikings are not in cap, you know, cap casualty issues, anything like that. You're sitting firm with plenty of they money. Need the money for Jefferson. Well, I they know. Need it for Jefferson. Right. But I, I mean, that's the key. Is that, I mean, that, that, that contract right there is going to put it over the, 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 the map. It's just that one right there. That's bucks. I know. Eight million. I know. But it, it, you know, it's like we said yesterday. I guess where I have a hard time is and go. You're still gonna. They're gonna take an eight more than an eight million dollar dead cap hit. I know they're gonna save some cash there and some real hard, cold cash. I get that too. But yeah, I don't know. It's just one again where, like you're saying, this player still has something in them. Where I go, there ain't a lot of players like we showed the highlights the other day. Who can say, go, go, rockets up my ass, and see you later, everybody, on defense. And 80 yards later, touchdown. That's where, you know, the rubber doesn't meet the road for me. I'm sure they have their reasons, and that's why they're running an organization. But, yeah, it just doesn't seem to make total sense to me. I wasn't a huge fan of the 80s-era cartoon Inspector Gadget. I don't think Go Go Rockets Up My Ass is one of the the Go Go Gadget legs on Inspector Gadget. (laughs) Yeah. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Although that would make for an interesting cartoon series. It would. Go Go Rockets Up My Ass. Right, right. Um, New age, new things, you know. But you're right. Who is going to fill what Dalvin Cook does? Alexander Madison isn't going to do it. And, and that's why I think if they do pull off a trade, they need to get somebody back in the trade that can maybe replace some of that lightning strike ability at a cheaper price. But that's the bottom line. The price this year, they're, they're, this is analytics. Quasi Adolfo Mensa, analytics GM. This is all analytics. It's not personal. It's analytics. $10.4 is too much to pay for a running back. That's fine as long as you got somebody who can do what that running back you're about to cut does. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I don't know. Sometimes that's where I, I understand analytics and they got a great, lot of great value. But, you know, there's still some other elements sometimes where I think, you know, the human element, one on the field, whatever, can trump these type of analytics. But uh, they, they, it seems like this is a, a done deal. And I'm, I'm kind of shocked by it. And 
you know, like we started off the segment, it seems like they've kind of cut off a, a, a part of their leverage there with swiping them off the uh, Twitter page. All right, quick break. More PFT Live right after this. Here is the play that Chris was referring to earlier in the program. Mark Ingram, the key third down. Hostetler to Ingram fighting and twisting and diving and pushing and getting the first down to extend the drive. Oh, what a play. Took almost all of the third quarter and kept Jim Kelly and company off the field. That really is. You know Uh, what? You're you're right. That, That is a play that should be. Whenever we start rolling highlights of the greatest plays in Super Bowl history, how is this not one of them? I mean, I know. you could make a pretty clear line between this play and the Giants somehow beating yes, the Bills. Exactly right. I think the thing that hurts it is it didn't score a touchdown, right? I think that's where it hurts them in, in the overall. Or it's not a game-winning play that's like at the end of the game. But as you could even, like, if you played the clip back, right, that was a day where, like, uh, I, Giant fans were hopeful. I don't think we believed we could win the game, right? It was like, man, I hope we can do it. But that play right there was like the moment where you went, oh, my gosh, I think we can win the game right here. Holy cow, I think we can actually beat the Buffalo Bills. And the the stadium erupted. I'm getting emotional about it, actually, as I'm thinking about it. But it was pretty cool. It really was. was Pretty cool day. Even though though your dad's nemesis, Jeff Hosteller, was the one who threw the pass, you still found enjoyment in that moment? I I did. uh, It was was cool in that all the other events that were going on, right, Mike? Like um, the the war in Iraq, Whitney Houston, and it still was a special game. So, yeah, I don't even know why I'm getting emotional, but it just brings me back to my childhood there. Yeah. Yeah. well, and that was that was right after the war started, right. and a lot of the players were, they were wearing the, the there was the the cover of Sports Illustrated. You could see the the, the uh, yellow, yellow armband right. on uh, on uh, uh, Everson Walls right on the cover after right. they won that game. Yeah, so, yeah, it, it, it was, was a, it was a it weird was, time was for a me and my time. family. It was it was, a it was special. It was weird for me, like you said, because it was emotional. Because yeah, my dad wasn't out there. I know he was killed. I mean, it killed them. It killed our whole family. So, yeah, that, that's probably why I get emotional, too. Well, it had to be bittersweet. You want the team to win, but right. you want your dad to be out there being part of it. Exactly. Especially because you had just seen it happen a few years earlier exactly. in Super Bowl Twenty One. All right. Uh, quarterbacks vying to get to one Super Bowl, much less two. Guys who are just breaking into the sport, breaking into the top 40 countdown. How do you factor in because we're going to have some guys right. coming up who have never played in the nfl right how do you compare guys who have never played in the nfl to guys who have when you're making this ranking right well i, I got a you know got some young guys here and yeah this is where i may be taking the liberty of you know just uh the potential all right wh- where they're gonna be you know after a few weeks in training camp okay i'm taking a, a little liberty there of like the growth in training camp and otas I don't lie, but I think the big thing is I put you know some of these rookie quarterbacks above two guys that I looked at that are like rookies anyways, right? One guy threw the ball 18 times in a you know throwaway end of the regular season game. Another guy played the last four games and was managed very closely, and they ran the ball and tried to run out the clock. These guys that we're going to talk about here, and yeah, we got three rookies coming up. 
that I just believe once they get just a feel of the playbook, they have more talent than the guys we talked about yesterday. They're better natural players in a lot of ways. And and that's where, you know, I took the liberty to, yeah, maybe think about them through OTAs and training camp and giving them that boost, but I don't think that gap is that big, and I think they close that in a hurry. All right, so let's start with yeah. the guy who comes in at number 38 on the 2023 Chris Sims Top 40 quarterback. He is the number one overall pick in the draft, five foot ten and an eighth, 195 pounds, soaking wet. Yeah. Bryce Young. Yeah, and Bryce Young, I mean, you know, we, we talked about him a lot. He's got he's got a natural feel for the game. I mean, he does. He's got a lot of talent, instincts, whatever you want to say. You know, we talked about the athlete himself, quick as hell to move and make people miss, right? You know, anticipation, you know, the ability like the play you showed a few weeks ago with or last week with Frank Reich when he knew it was the moment. You know, the ability to diagnose things at the line of scrimmage. Wow, a lot of different special releases to go off of that. So that's where I'm excited to see Bryce Young. And I'm excited to see what Frank Reich does around him. You know, do I have questions? Yeah, you know my questions. When the pocket collapses, there's not a lot of really big-time awesome throws, right? You know, there's not a lot of big-time tight window power throws. You know, oh, wait, pocket, people around me. There's a guy down the right sideline. I got to throw a laser back shoulder, even though he's covered and put it in the right spot. That's you're not going to get that from him on a consistent basis. So that's where he's he's 38. But I'm excited about him, and of course he's got a he's got a lot of talent and knows how to play ball, and that's why they picked him number one. Yeah, I mean, look, they made the projection, and they got a lot more eggs in the basket than we do. They believe in him, and I think the ability. To throw through and around yes. the, not literally through, through the lanes between right. the offensive and defensive linemen. And also the understanding, and this is something Scott Fitter, the GM of the Panthers, said a couple of weeks ago, understanding when to get rid of the football. Understanding not to hold on to the ball and take that big hit. Right. And know when to get rid of it so you avoid that big hit. So yeah, the ball's out and you still took the hit. You have to get to the point where you can minimize the impact that you take. Yeah. Next up. You got him high. You got you got him higher. You got him higher than the guy that was taken first overall, the second overall pick in the draft, number thirty-seven on the Chris Sims top forty quarterback countdown, Ohio State's and now Houston Texans C.J. Stroud. Yeah, I, you know, I'm, I, Mike. You, I mean, you know, I'm a huge fan of C.J. Stroud. I really am. I mean, the only thing I could even look at or negatively was going, oh, the S two test, right? All that crap, right? I, I don't know about all that. All I know is what I saw. If 14 on, teams use. Yeah, exactly right. It's not foolproof. It's very what early. What does that tell you? Yeah, right. exactly. It's very early in the process of knowing the value of that. There's, there's a lot of BS we could throw at that one there. So totally with you. What I know on film is a guy that's made for the NFL. You know, you're talking about a guy playing the pocket, bullseye thrower, power throws that I talk about, but Bryce Young lacked. They're not C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud's one of those guys that, well, wait, he's open by half an inch, 45 yards down the field. Don't worry. I can hit the bullseye in that half inch. I'll do it. He's phenomenal that way. He's made for this offense, and I think he's better at some of the things people criticize him for than, you know, than he gets credit for. He, I thought, was great under pressure. 
You know, there's, there's some stats out there that, oh, pressure. And there's a lot of context that goes into that. When people are around him in the pocket and he has to make big throws, he is unaffected by it, let alone I think his athletic ability is better than people give it credit for as well. You know, again, these are guys where, yeah, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, I think they're better than Desmond Ritter and a month from now, you know, two months from now. Before the season starts, they are better. Would their stats and wins look that way? No, I don't know. They're the, there's a reason these two teams picked twice, right? So I understand how it might look at the end of the year. But I would take these guys, and Stroud, is, Stroud to me has a chance to be really, really special. But, hey, it's NFL life. He's got to grow in it, and I think he's made for that Kyle Shanahan, Bobby Slovic offense there. And uh, that's where I, I'm, I'm excited to see what C.J. Stroud does. I love the C.J. Stroud release. It's not quite Dan Marino, but it's quick as hell, right? I going to say, well, he's got you know, processing. You don't need to process if you can get rid of the ball as quickly as your brain says get rid of the ball. You can have great processing, but if your mechanics are such that you hold on to the ball too long, that's worse than whatever the S2. Yeah, sure. Exactly right. Exactly right. To go out and play football. All right. We're now up to number 36, and this is a guy who went after <laughs> – Number 38 and after number 37, he is Anthony Richardson, Colts quarterback, fourth overall pick in the draft. But the one guy when you were doing your quarterback rankings pre-draft that you used the S word, superstar potential. The Colts saw it. Other teams, I think, saw it and were hoping he'd be there. I think the Seahawks would have taken him at five. Colts got him at four. You got him at 36. All right. And I, you know, I think a lot of people will probably look at this at first and go, wait, the guy who you had is, you know, below Stroud and Young is going to be better in the NFL right now. And I'm going to go, yes, I am. Why? Why? Because the other two guys are going to have to do a lot more processing and have things thrown at them. For the, in, in the long run, hey, you know me, I'm still betting on C.J. Stroud. Year two, year three, year four, sure. Right now, this moment, training camp, going into the season – I'm going to take Anthony Richardson because of that great running ability. He's going to have less of an adjustment. They're going to force defense's hands to make game to make the game kind of easy on him in the pass game, like we talked about. You know, that's where the advantage he has off the bat. Where the other guys are going to have to worry about, wait, I got to play real pocket passing quarterback and disguises and different coverages, and oh my gosh, I got a lot at me. Anthony Richardson's going to go. He's going to play teams where it's going to be quarterback power, quarterback power, run it with Jonathan Taylor, read option, right? Read option, back to quarterback power. Defensive, defensive coordinators are going to go, oh, man, we got to get another guy in the box. The coverages are going to be simple off of that. So the adjustment period for him is, is I think, going to be less here at first as he grows in these other areas. And that's why I make him 36 in front of the other two guys just because of you know that aspect of his running and what it'll do for him there. How high do you think Anthony Richardson will be on this list next year? Oh, give me a, give me a, a guess, just a wild guess. Top twenty by next year? I, I he like the the Colts are one of those teams where I don't think any of us look at them as a playoff team, but a, like one one of those few teams out there like Atlanta or them where I'd go, huh. Eh, I would be careful with them. That old line has a little resurgence. We know he's got talent. We know he's got a head coach who knows how to use his type of talent, and that defense is good. You know, yes, I think he could be one of those guys that's, yeah, a big riser next year and, and be, if all things go in the right direction, right where you're talking about, sure. 
the one thing that we cannot discount about the Colts is something that's never going to show up in any analytical analysis of the organization, although I'm sure there's some analytics expert out there someday that says we have a formula for that too. I think the lift that finally stopping this revolving door of aging quarterback who can't get it done and embracing the future, hitting the reset, what that does psychologically to all your players, it isn't going to make them worse. It's going to make them better. And the Colts will be better than they were last year simply by virtue of the fact that they've gotten off of the where's the next veteran quarterback we can find yeah. to come in here You're and right. try to reverse our fortune. You're Let's right. The value. I like right. the, we're the right. ESPN obtained or maybe was given a document that if this thing had come out before Daniel Snyder put his name on the bottom line of the sale document, he might not have done it. I'll explain what I'm talking about when PFT Live continues right after this. So, as Josh Harris tried to line up investors to join his group that put together $6.05 billion to buy the Washington Commanders, they created a document, a prospectus, as the financial people will call it, aimed at convincing folks to commit to becoming partners in the effort to buy because Harris, unlike Jeff Bezos, needs a little help to get to $6.05 billion. He has to have 30%. He needed to come up with the 70% somewhere else. So in this prospectus, and usually, Chris, what you would say is, do you really need to convince people to invest in an NFL team? Like, do you need to twist my arm to convince me that it's a great investment? Well, they needed to because their theory is, and I suspect when they looked at the book value of the commanders, it doesn't justify $6.05 billion. And that's the thing. Book value is one thing. What someone will pay for it is something else. Book value is driven by a variety of factors. So this document that ESPN obtained, i.e. somebody gave it to ESPN for the purposes of getting it out there, shows that Josh Harris believes that just the mere flip from Snyder to anyone right. results in more ticket sales, more seat revenue, more advertising revenue, and... $1.5 billion in free money from the state of Virginia to build a stadium. So the argument is, to, to help people understand this, because it's a long article, and I don't think they ever come out and say exactly what this is about. This is about convincing people to invest in the let's go buy the commander's fund and justifying the price by saying, simply telling Dan Snyder to get the hell out of here is going to have a multi-billion dollar impact on the team. They are trying to take the absence of the former owner and quantify that. There's monetary value, and I think they're right, frankly. I think they are, too. saying the old guy's gone. Right. And I think the old guy probably doesn't like seeing that out there, which is why I said earlier, if this document had come to light before they signed the agreement, maybe Daniel Snyder uh, does not sign the agreement, but instead flashes one specific finger at Josh Harris. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I'm I'm with you in the, the state that I I think it increases the value right away. I mean, I'm just going off of like public perception, what you see on social media, Washington fans that are here in this building at NBC Sports or anywhere else I meet, I, are all like, yes, yes, he's leaving, he's gone. Oh my gosh, this is great. I think that bump is going to be there, and like we've seen, I mean. That just that, that every time, you know, a franchise sold, it's more money. So I have a hard time thinking that value won't go up. 
That bump's going to last three to five years. It's not permanent. Right. Josh Harris is going to have to deliver at some point. And remember, the observation made over the weekend by the Washington Post, if this wasn't a situation where they're desperate to get rid of Snyder, this deal might not have been approved. And we talked about liquidity. You just hope that Josh Harris's group has the money to run this team the right way and make it competitive. Let's take a break. When we return, we will draft the best non-quarterbacks in the AFC North next year on PFT. Okay, those are the odds from BetMGM for the AFC North. The Bengals, the favorites to win the division. I like the Steelers at plus 650. I just oh, we know you like the Steelers. Steelers. When better. have you not liked Every the year. Steelers and, on and, something? <laughs> well, Super Bowl nine. Okay. I, I can give you one day. All right. I can give you one day in my life where I definitely did not like the Steelers in Super Bowl nine. Would have been that day in January of 1975. All right, the best non-quarterbacks in the AFC North. Should we just, like, stipulate that you're picking Jamar Chase and I'm picking T.J. Watt and we can just move to round two? Well, okay, fine. Let's do that if you want. Let's do that. I'm definitely going to take Jamar Chase. There was a little reason for that, but yes. Okay, I'm definitely going to take – Go ahead. I'm just playing around, but go ahead. All right, I'm taking Jamar Chase. I am, all right? I mean, Jamar Chase is, you know, for for my money, is, is one of the three best receivers in football, like we always talk about. You know, we talk about it with great quarterbacks, right? He's one of those receivers that can go above and beyond the play that's drawn on the on the chalkboard, whether it's a verse, a slant. Oh, it's a fourth down, and I got two people on me in the AFC Championship game. And, yeah, I'm not even that big, but I'm so awesome. Joe Burrow throws it up to me like I'm T. Higgins, too, and I go up and get it. I mean, he's, 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 he's the man, Jamar Chase. And T.J. Watt. Look, the guy's incredible, set the or tied the single-season sack record. I never quite know because I still don't regard stray hands as the real record because of the Brett Favre gift from the last game of the 2001 season. But T.J. Watt, one of the best and most impactful defensive players in all of football, without question, the guy who makes that defense go, T.J. Watt's my pick. All right, you're up. All right. Well, I know that's a good this – this is why I chose, though, um, Jamar Chase at first, right? Because – like I'm gonna go Miles Garrett, and that that you know that's an interesting conversation in itself, right? I mean Miles Garrett versus T.J. Watt. Obviously, you like T.J. Watt there. I was a little bit in like, okay, I'm gonna take Jamar Chase and just take whoever's left over because it's so close. But damn, is that an interesting conversation as far as who you'd rather have sacking the quarterback? And you're absolutely right. You know, it's easy to forget Miles Garrett because he plays for the Browns. And right. The Browns all in all have underachieved in recent years. Watt is a guy who who was in that record chase, and it just feels like he elevates the defense when he's on the field. Like Garrett misses some time, and the, it's not – it's just – it's close. And Garrett's one of the best. Yeah. He's been defensive player of the year candidate. I don't want to take anything away from him, but Watt just stands out a little bit more. And I think being on the Steelers, you flip them, and maybe Garrett comes to mind for me before T.J. Watt. There's just something about Steelers. I think you're right. I mean, T.J. Watt right, with he, the interceptions, like, in you know – you know, there is does seem to be a bump of that football team when he's on the field. They both were drafted the same year, right? T.J. Watt's got a few more sacks than Miles Garrett, so I mean, you're you're not wrong, that's for sure. I guess I have to go Nick Chubb here, 
Although I'm not quite sure how much the Browns are really going to lean on him this year. They're going to try to get more out of Deshaun Watson in the passing game. Yeah. But Chubb, one of the best running backs in all of football. I kept looking for another name to supplant him, but I couldn't find one that I felt strongly enough about, so I'll go Chubb. Yeah, that's a good one. I like that, too. Are we going to a break here, or we want to keep rolling? Okay. Let's take a break. We'll wrap up the draft and the show when PFT Live continues right after this. Here we go. One more round. Best non-quarterbacks in the AFC North. Christopher, you are on the clock, and the clock is ticking quickly. I know. First thing is we do have to state that the I mean, from the other drafts we've done, right, we did NFC South and, NF, and an NFC North, right? I mean, man, you see why the AFC has got, you know, the, this, these type of football teams. Damn, there's a lot of good players. We haven't even picked a team player from Baltimore yet. All right? And I'm not – I. I'm, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Minka Fitzpatrick. I thought about Roquan Smith, but Minka Fitzpatrick is just an absolute phenomenal juggernaut of a safety who can do everything. He's amazing playmaker. I think he's you know arguably the best safety in football. So I'm gonna go with Minka. Well, we got to get a Raven on the board then. Roquan Smith. Go with Roquan. They yeah. Traded for him last year. He wasn't happy with the Bears. They trade him. They paid it. They paid him, and and now they've got him, and he becomes a key part of that defense. That defense is always good. It always finds a way to be good. Whatever right. the pieces are, That's they right. find a way to make it work. The offense, the question this year with the conversion from Greg Roman to uh, Todd Munkin. Pete says, say some of the other names. How about Najee Harris, T. Higgins, Amari Cooper, Odell Beckham Jr. Remember we did the romper room bit where we're looking yeah. at the mirror. Marlon I see Humphrey. Joel one of the... out there. I see Mark Andrews. Yeah. I see I mean, there's so many good ones. I see Trey Hendrickson, Zadarius Smith, Zadarius Smith, who's in Orlando arrival. Brown. Holy crap! Ola, Joel Bentonio. Sorry. See ya. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen, remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, 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 of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface.